ask yourself, why am I doing this and how can I make this systematized? So for calls, I like to say there's only two reasons to jump on a call with an investor is either to have an introductory call, which is usually 30 minutes, or a due diligence call, which is usually 30 to 60 minutes, depending on the types of questions that they're asking. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best of your listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm your host today, Theo Hicks. And today we've got a two-time repeat guest back for a third time, Hunter Thompson. Hunter, how are you doing today? Hey, Theo. Thanks again for having me on. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to our conversation. And today, well, it's Sunday, which means it is Skill Set Sunday, where we go over a specific skill that our guest has. And today we are going to be talking about how to attract investors, establish credibility, and fund deals. So a little bit about Hunter before we begin. He's the founder of ASIM Capital, which is a private equity firm. He has raised more than $30 million in private capital. As I mentioned in the intro, he's been on the episode two times before. Listen to his episode 1545, Seven Due Diligent Items for Passive Investors and Passive Investing Opportunities as well as 1220, he took his money out of the stock market to syndicate self-storage and mobile home parks. Both of those links will be in the show notes as well. And he just had a book come out. We're recording this in the past, but when this episode airs, the book will be live. And that book is Raising Capital for Real Estate, How to Attract Investors, Establish Credibility, and Fund Deals. And you can buy that book by clicking on the link in the show notes. He is based out of LA, and you can say hi to him at ASIM Capital. That's A-S-Y-M Capital.com. So Hunter, before we get into the main skill of the day, do you mind giving us a little bit more about your background and what we've been focused on since last time we spoke? Yeah, so it's interesting. There's so many ways to make money in real estate. We mentioned earlier about kind of conducting due diligence, which is obviously critical. If your deals don't perform, no one's going to get paid. We talked about mobile home park business, the self-storage business. But in my opinion, this element of real estate is the most important, sought after, and lucrative part of the entire business. I was at a conference recently where someone said, is the money in the deal or is the money in the money? And man, the money is really in the money. Now, that could be the case that not everyone agrees with that and not everyone wants it to be that way, but it certainly is, at least for right now. But in those earlier interviews, I have been focusing on very much of the same. We have been focusing on the recession-resistant real estate asset classes, most notably mobile home parks, self-storage, and workforce housing, or C and B class apartments. And really comfortable with those. From my perspective, I know that a lot of people are more and more interested now in the, quote, recession-resistant real estate asset classes. From my perspective, it's always a good time to invest in recession-resistant real estate, not just late in the cycle, because when the economy's booming and the capital markets are loose, you're going to get the advantages there. But when the economy's correcting or there's a recession, you still get the advantages of the stable demand for that product. So more of the same, 
experienced a lot of success and a lot of growth and a lot of scalability. And that's what we're really going to talk about today. And he wrote a book, which is a great accomplishment. I've written three, working a fourth right now. So I totally understand the work and effort that gets put into that. So it's always great to talk to the fellow authors who've gone through that experience. No, I appreciate that. And I'm going through the experience that most people go through when they write a book, which is, you know, I have waited a long time to build up the knowledge to feel comfortable sharing with people because I wanted to make sure that I was bringing a lot of value to the table. So I wrote the 60,000 words in about 60 days and was like, wow, when's the next one going to be? And then I started the editing process and realized I'm never going to write another book in my entire life. So that's <laughs> where I'm at right now. But no, really proud of it. And also I have been really fortunate in the sense that I've been able to give back to the community, but I'm really happy and looking forward to the response to this because there's so many key takeaways. You know, I spent $100,000 on legal fees in 2018. A lot of what I learned in pursuit of that is in the book. And of course, the strategies and systems that I've outlined are what is able to get us to where we are today. So really happy to hear the, both of those responses. So the title of the book is, again, Raising Capital for Real Estate, How to Attract Investors, Establish Credibility, and Fund Deals. You did kind of drop a bomb that you paid 100000 in legal fees and you learned some lessons. So do you want to kind of just walk us through what happened and the lessons that you learned? Oh, geez. If you want to start with the securities law stuff, that's going to probably bore your listeners to death. It's one of those things where when you're dealing in the world of securities, you're entering a new dynamic where not only pooling investors together has significant legal implications. You have to stay within the SEC's guidelines, but as an investor, it's just very favorable because not only do you get the economies of scale going along with pooling investors together in the sense of if you lose $25,000 in a syndication, it's very hard to pursue someone and spend less than $25,000 on legal fees. But if you cumulatively invest in a syndication, there's much more ability to pursue someone if they act in bad faith because cumulatively, each person may have invested $25,000 and you may have cumulatively be able to come up with quarter million dollars, which can actually do it. But man, from a big picture perspective, I'll give away something that took me a lot of money to realize. And maybe not everyone listening disagrees with this, but I'm a huge proponent of the 506C offerings. Those are the offerings which allow you to publicly solicit. It doesn't necessarily mean that you, quote, don't want to know your investors or that you're actually interested in publicly soliciting investors. But the solicitation or the 506C offering requires that you have a third-party verification of your investor's status as an accredited investor. And I think that level of scrutiny really adds to the protection of the issuer, the person who's actually creating the deal. So I don't have to worry about going on a podcast or going on a webinar or conducting an in-person dinner, all of which I talk about in the book. I don't have to worry about saying the wrong thing at those events, which can cost me later down the road. If you're using 506Bs, and, and please don't take this wrong, this is just my perspective, but if you're using 506Bs, there's so much gray area surrounding 506Bs that I just don't feel comfortable with it. And once you do create your 506C, I think you'll never create another 506B. Just my opinion, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I actually just did an interview earlier today. I'm not sure if it'll air before or after this one, but it's Ryan Gibson and he does 506B. And he, he basically mentioned the exact same thing. And he has a really good process for making sure that he is going by the book. So make sure if you are doing 506B, you, you check out that episode and learn his process for making sure that he has that pre-existing relationship with them. So, all right, thanks for sharing that. So let's go into the book. So Attractive Investors, Establish Credibility to Fund Your Deals. So in the context of 
let's say I have not done a syndication deal before, but I do have previous real estate experience. I'm not a complete newbie. Maybe I've done, this is use me as an example. I've done 15 units worth of multifamily before, and I want to scale up and, and raise capital for, let's say a 50 unit building, and I want to attract investors. What should I do? Okay, well, I'll tell you what I did, and you can use it as a playbook of what not to do when I started thinking about scalability. So back in 2011, I saw a great opportunity in the mobile home park business. Spent about two years investing, learning every single thing I could as an investor, flying around the country, doing due diligence, taking it very, very seriously. I mean, as a full-time job. By 2013, I figured I had established a track record had created some amazing relationships with some high caliber operating partners and wanted to create my first fund. So basically what I did is I had an investor luncheon where I invited extended friends and family and their plus ones or plus twos. They had to be accredited investors. I went through a 30 minute presentation and at the end of the presentation, I handed out a piece of paper so that people could write how much money they were interested in investing. I agreed with my partner that we at least raise half a million dollars. I said, I thought I could raise up to a million dollars. There was $30 million of net worth in this room. Went through the presentation, was very comfortable speaking in front of people, answered some questions and resulted in me raising a total of zero dollars. And this was heartbreaking. And really what the book is about is realizing what I did so wrong and then creating the infrastructure to do the opposite of that. What I did wrong was I was thinking that I envisioned myself going out, finding investors, converting them to investors in real estate, which is basically like a pseudo-religious experience to say, okay, wait, I've invested my whole life in the stock market. Now in this 30-minute luncheon, this person's going to start investing in not only just real estate, but the mobile home park business. So I'm thinking about it in the wrong way. I needed to create an infrastructure that attracted the right people that were already interested, converted them through education and indoctrination to a certain extent, and then closed them through this sales process. So there has never been a more favorable time to create that infrastructure now. So if you haven't really started doing this, this content creation, it is so asymmetric. It's one of the most efficient ways to build your brand, but also raise capital because if you go through the process of writing 10 articles, which we can talk about in a second, how to do that, just writing the articles alone will help you communicate more effectively to future investors, so much so that it'll pay for your time. That's if no one even ever reads the article. So the book is really about how to create that infrastructure and then funnel people through the, the sales closing process. All right, so let's talk about the infrastructure for a second. So content creation, the basic yes. you're saying is that you want to have some sort of thought leadership platform where you pump out content and then use that to educate people and attract people who are already interested in investing. And then once you have those people who are already interested, that's when you close them. Exactly. And that's how you create a system that's actually scalable because a lot of these sales strategies, they may take you from closing 40% of your investors to 60%. That'd be a remarkable increase. But if you only have 10 people in the room, that's going from four people to six people. I don't want to go from four to six. I want to go from four to 4,000. And the only way to do that is to attract the right people. So like one of the things I talk about in the book, which is a reoccurring theme, is time batching. I'm hyper obsessed with productivity. So I like to do things only in increments of 60 minutes to 180 minutes. And I don't like to shift gears cognitively when doing these tasks. So what I'll do is I'll block out the 60 to 180 minutes. And all I will write is up to 100 topic 
article titles. So these are things like five reasons to invest in cell storage. Is the mobile home park business actually recession resistant? What is low interest rates mean for housing? Those are three. So if you want to use those three, go ahead. You can only have to come up with 97 more. And then I go and sort those articles. I'll put them in Excel, put them in numeric value in terms of how quality I think they are and how aligned with my business they are. Sort in terms of numeric value and then write an article about the first 10. And that is the beginning of your lead nurture process. I'm telling you, just going through that process alone is going to help you. And then if you still have some below that 10 that are still compelling, I would write outgoing emails. These are probably 300 to 500 words. I would write those emails about those remaining topics. And you'll probably work your way down to where it doesn't make sense to write about topics, about things that you've written that are low on the numeric value. Stop that. Put those emails in an outbound drip campaign so that your new investors receive one every single week. And that'll give you time to focus on other areas of your business. Three months later, you come back, you've gotten a lot more knowledge, you've got a lot more topic ideas, do the same thing again and constantly push those emails that aren't as aligned with your business out months and months and months. And eventually you'll have an entire year of outgoing email campaigns so that you can spend your year focusing on operating the actual real estate or other things regarding content creation. So a fantastic strategy, very specific. I really like that, but that's kind of step two. But first I need to have my list of these investors. So you said that yes. what you did wrong was you were trying to find people who weren't interested in real estate and converting them to real estate. Instead, you want to find people who are already interested in real estate, educate them on the deals that you do, but it seems like that's what the article part is. But how do I actually find these people and get them on my list in the first place? Yes. The way that I've been able to do this is in effort towards those content creation strategies. So we did not do paid marketing. I used to go to three to five networking events every single week. That's fine, but it didn't really help the scalability. So from my perspective, the pursuit of actually creating that content will attract thousands of people. Now, of course, the content has to be quality, but write the content with that in mind. The goal should be to write something that your friends and family and also the people that are interested in investing are interested not only in reading, but sharing with your friends. And this is how you get things to become viral. Now, if you want to supplement that with paid marketing, that's totally reasonable. I know a lot of people that have done that and had success. That just hasn't been the route that we've used. So from my perspective, really the creation of the content will attract the right people. Perfect. So you create the content, you've got the emails going out, you've got the blogs going out. People are reading these. How are you converting them into investors? you kind of work your way up in terms of sophistication. So I'm a huge proponent of writing a really quality ebook. And this is something that's probably 10,000 words. If you have a topic that you think is really compelling, that's kind of evergreen, like stock market versus the real estate, I think is the name of Michael Blanc's book. It's a great example. That's always going to be something that he can use. In an ebook, I like to use more things like detail, data, graphs, back up the claims that you've made in some of the articles that you've mentioned and be very aware of who your readership is going to consist of. I don't think it's wise to hyper niche yourself into single moms with dogs type of stuff, but you definitely want to have an idea of who your ideal investor and who your ideal reader is. Now, if you don't really like writing, for example, you can outsource this. One of the things that we've done, and I know you guys have done as well, is have a friend interview you on a topic that's very specific, do a one hour interview, then convert that interview into a transcripted ebook. Just go to rev.com. It's about a dollar per minute of audio. 
And if you want to email me at info at asymcapital.com, I'll shoot you an email of one of our transcripted podcast interviews we've done. It's the easiest way to do that. By the time that someone goes through reading an ebook that you've written that's in that 10,000 word range, about 45 minutes to read, they're going to be very, very interested in moving forward with you. And then you can move forward with the actual sales process and looking at the particulars of the deal. But from my perspective, having a combination of articles, maybe some interviews that you've done on podcasts and this ebook will get you so far along the lines that by the time you get on a phone call with someone, if that's required, you're going to be basically answering questions that they have as opposed to trying to hard close them, which is not scalable and not a good idea in the real estate sector. Do you want to walk us through what a typical conversation would be like for someone who's read your ebook or read some of your blogs and then they schedule a call with them and you're kind of having a conversation with them to get them invested? What's that conversation kind of go like? Yeah, certainly. So I'd start by saying this. Not only is it good for credibility, it's actually good for you and your time as well to make everything systematized as possible. So if you're going to be doing anything, whether it be having a phone call, writing an ebook, writing some articles, ask yourself, why am I doing this and how can I make this systematized? So for calls, I like to say there's only two reasons to jump on a call with an investor is either to have an introductory call, which is usually 30 minutes or a due diligence call, which is usually 30 to 60 minutes, depending on the types of questions that they're asking. So when I jump on that first introductory call, my goal is to listen to their story, establish that they're accredited. I want to learn about their experience investing And here's the really important part. I want to hear their motivations for investing. Now, if you do a hundred of these calls, you're going to hear the same things over and over again. So don't block out the actual answers that they say. Listen to the nuances because the nuances are going to come up momentarily. So you may hear things like, I really like the cash flow because I want to pay off my expenses in order for me to retire. Or I want to invest in deals that have predictable outcomes as opposed to the stock market, which I really don't trust. Then the conversation will transition over to me and I'll talk about two really important things here. My last straw moment, whether it be in the stock market or when I realized that my other career wasn't going to get me the financial freedom that I was looking for, why did I transition out of a typical lifestyle into the world of real estate? The reason this is important is that we didn't learn about alternative investments in high school and college. Everyone that's having this conversation with you, they had that moment where they realize this typical way of thinking about money is not going to get me anywhere. So I transition from the last straw moment to my key motivating factor and really address what motivates me to help people invest like this. Then I directly address their reasons to invest, whether it be the cash flow, the lack of predictability of the outcome, or the fact that they think the stock market is too high and say that is absolutely correct. I affirm that those fears are genuine, but there is another way. And that's when I outline our general investment thesis, answer any questions that they have, and make sure to stick to the time commitment, which is that 30 minutes. The introductory call, half of it is about creating that credibility. And the way to create credibility is ensuring that they know that your time is limited, as well as the investment availability. So that's kind of a a brief introduction to introductory calls. Perfect. So anything else as it relates to how to attract investors, establish credibility, and fund deals that you want to talk about before we close out the call? Yes, I'll say this. Your willpower is limited. There's been many scientific studies about this. People have limited willpower throughout the day, but also over the long term as well. The reason I say this is that it's absolutely critical to find a mentor 
that you can inspire them to share their playbook with you because that's going to help you get over those humps when you run out of that free will. You're going to feel exhausted, but if you have someone that you know has succeeded and they're depending on you to succeed, it's absolutely helpful to have them push you along. The number one way to inspire this is just have a real significant sense of urgency about accomplishing your goals. Mentors are so drawn to momentum. So if you can show that mentor, you attract the right people. And that's someone that not only has helped me in my career, but I've also helped other people when I've seen their momentum and want to help them along. Wow, Hunter, very powerful content. A lot of these things I hadn't heard of before, hadn't thought of in this way. So it's been a very good interview for me as well. I'm actually looking forward to taking a look at your book as well. Again, that is Raising Capital for Real Estate, How to Attract Investors, Establish Credibility, and Fund Deals. Link to that will be in the show notes. So thanks again for coming on. Just to summarize, I can't summarize everything, but some of the big takeaways that I had, I really liked your time batching concept and how you implement that is you will do things in increments of 60 to 180 minutes. And the specific example you gave was you will write down 100 topics for articles in that time frame, and then you'll put them all in Excel and then assign them a numeric value based off of how powerful you think the article will be. And then you will write an article about the top 10 articles, and then you will write smaller, shorter emails about the remaining topics. And you'll repeat this process every three months with the goal of having a year's worth of content so you can focus on other aspects of your business. Something else that I also really liked on the content creation was the ebook idea. So if you don't like to write, a perfect way to, to kind of overcome that is to have a friend interview you on a topic that you want to write about, that you're very knowledgeable about, have it transcribed and turn that into an ebook. And then lastly, we talked about when you're actually talking to an investor on the phone, and the only two times that you believe you talk to an investor on the phone is an intro call or a due diligence call. And then he walks us through exactly what you'll do during that due diligence call. And basically the outcome is to figure out what their motivation for investing is, making sure you're listening to those nuances and figure out what they're in a sense fearful of. And then affirm that those fears are genuine and that there is another way. And that's when you kind of present your option to them and always making sure that you stick to the time commitment. So Again, Hunter, really enjoyable conversation. Looking forward to checking out that book. Best of our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Have the best of our day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase, go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation podcast at the REI Foundation.Libson.com.